what's going on, y'all? This is Kelly Clarkson. Welcome to Miss Into Podcast, the Kelly Clarkson fan podcast. The very first podcast dedicated to the original idol, Kelly Clarkson. Here are your hosts, Jeremy and Pam. Hey, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Miss Into Podcast, the Kelly Clarkson fan podcast. I'm Jeremy. And my name is Pam. And today we are doing an episode that many people have been asking us to do for weeks, months, perhaps. (laughs) It is the long-awaited, stronger album breakdown episode. Yes, this is part of our album breakdown series where we go through Each of Kelly Clarkson's albums, song by song, we get into the nitty gritty. We talk about the writers, the producers, the inspirations, the untold stories, maybe the stories that you do know. And it is a long exercise for Pam and myself to do the research on these particular albums. But I always end up coming out with a new found appreciation for these individual albums every time we do this. And this one was no different, even though I never really stopped appreciating the stronger record. Yeah, this was a really interesting one for me to do personally. Mr. Know-It-All, the first single, we're not starting yet, but Mr. (laughs) Know-It-All, the first single, came out my first or second week of college. That's a pretty monumental time for someone. Like, first time away at home. It's a very new, weird time. So that album came at a very bizarre point in my life when I'm like, who am I? You know, what am I doing? <laughs> and now I listen to it in 2022 and I, I'm 29 and I am the same age that Kelly was when she put this album out. Oh, wow. So it's a, it, it's kind of weird to put on that hat as well as like a fellow 29 year old. Let's, you know, put that lens on and where I am now in my life. So It was a very bizarre and awesome time re-exploring this album. Obviously, I've listened to it since 2011, Mm -hmm. but not where I have to think too much. And this time I had to think. Yeah. So. Yeah, it was fun to go back and really re-listen to the songs, not in the sense of when they just come up on shuffle on your phone or your Spotify or whatever. This was more of a stopping everything around you and really focusing on the songs. I mean, I probably have not focused this intensely on these particular songs since the first time I got this album in my hands and I really went through my first listens. So this was a lot of fun to go back and relive some of these songs and really try to decide if some of these songs do still hold some of the vitriol is probably too strong of a word but some of these songs hold an aversion in my heart and i wanted to see if maybe they still were that way that remains to be seen you'll have to wait until we get to those particular tunes but in the meantime pam should we get underway because we've got a lot to cover we do i think we should start go for it all right Uh, Kelly Clarkson's Stronger was released on October 25th, 2011. It debuted at number two on the Billboard 200 charts. It is Kelly's fifth studio album, and it ultimately would go on to get a total of four Grammy nominations, and it was the Grammy winner for Best Pop Vocal Album. Kelly would be the first artist in music history To win that award twice, it has since been done again by Adele, so that's pretty good company 
to be in. And Kelly has also been nominated five times for Best Pop Vocal Album. Of course, Stronger being one of those albums. Uh, The album would go on to sell well over one million copies here in the U.S. Uh, It is certified platinum. It is Kelly's third best-selling album behind Breakaway and Thankful. But that said, I would say some fans argue that this is their favorite album. I think it goes back and forth a lot between this and Breakaway with a lot of fans. And with good reason, because this is one of Kelly's best albums. Yeah, I I am I'm very conflicted on this this album. I love it as a whole, but there are certain tracks I really I'm okay with not listening to. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit of a controversial statement. But what I will say is I think a lot of people, you know, have always said Kelly's like the breakup anthem queen. Yeah. They're not wrong. You know, they're not wrong. But I felt that this was, I think, a cousin to the Breakaway album, mm-hmm. but a more mature cousin. Well, and Kelly said that there were several artists that influenced her when she went into the making of this album. She dropped Prince. She said Radiohead. She said Cheryl Crow. She threw out Tina Turner. And I remember she threw out all those names before we got the album in our hands. And the fans are like, what are we supposed to do with this? Yeah. Because this is all over the map. You know, Prince is very different from Cheryl Crow. Tina Turner is very different from Radiohead. So even the fans had no idea where this album was going. Now, we got a bit of a better idea of where the album was going because Stronger was sort of the last of the three big albums that had massive internet leaks prior to the release of the record. And it was so widespread, in fact, that Kelly even mentions the leaking of songs from this album in the liner notes, and specifically her thank you uh, notes on the album. Uh, And if I can be so bold, I will just go ahead and read directly uh, what it says here. It says, to all of the hackers out there, thank you for thinking my music is worth stealing, but also y'all suck. Ha. (laughs) Uh, And she also, when she was going in and and thanking a lot of the people that helped her get this album out there, she also thanked David Burns, who, and I don't, I don't know off the top of my head who her current lawyer is. I'm sure she's got a whole army of lawyers, but at the time he was her lawyer. And she said, I know that right now I'm being hacked somewhere and you are already on top of it. Thank you for being such a great friend and a lawyer. I'm proud to say you're my longest relationship in the business. We're getting old. Uh, So she very well may still be with David, but it was just interesting to see her give the hackers a bit of publicity, if you will, in the thank you notes of this particular album. But that said, of all the albums that had leaked songs, the sessions from this one, probably the most. And there were, I mean, there were tons. I think they, I saw somewhere it was like 50 to 70 songs were yeah. leaked. Yeah. And a lot of, I mean, granted, this was a lot of Kelly's songs from the previous 10 years, but a yeah. lot of them were from the 2009 to 2011 when she was making this record 
And we got a lot of early looks at some of the stuff that was going to be on this album. I'd say there's a, I mean, I have this written down, I don't know off the top of my head, but we got a good chunk of the album leaked. Mm-hmm. And the pro- and the weird part is that some of the songs were finished, some of them were complete demos. So they were yep. in all varying stages, which made it even more interesting to listen to this album the very first time. Because you're like, wait a minute, this sounds vaguely familiar, or this sounds exactly like I thought it did. And uh, I remember the, the summer of 2011 was the summer of Kelly Clarkson leaks. Yeah. And it was a matter of, oh my God, you have this song, you have this song. It was a weird time. And- this was right before, right as streaming was starting. Mm-hmm. Spotify was just launching around the summer of 2011. So it was a strange time in the industry where like iTunes was still a thing, but also kind of fizzling out and CDs obviously fizzling out. And we're getting way more into the quote unquote on demand music, the streaming music. This was her first album to debut on streaming. Yeah, and also this was an album that Kelly finally realizes that she's over the way that she sounds on her recorded album. She's tired of sounding over-processed. She's tired of sounding not like how she actually does in concert. And so one of the stipulations that she put out there to all of the producers, and there's a ton of producers on this album, is that she wanted to make sure that she sounded as close to her live sound as possible, which means that a lot of the producers had to sort of let go of their usual techniques and just let her sing. And so this really is the first time we get to hear a more true representation of what Kelly's voice actually sounded like. And I think they they did a good job. As I was listening, re-listening to this, I'm like, I can really hear her well Mm -hmm. and you know obviously there's been some stuff since then certain albums where they kind of went back to how they used to produce her and have more of the i don't know if compress is the right word but Mm -hmm. this was the very first time you're right that we were actually able to really hear more of her true vocal yeah and they began the process of making this album In November of 2009, this is when Kelly is still out promoting uh, All I Ever Wanted. And they take essentially about a year and a half-ish, nearly, to write and record this album. Now, inside of there, Kelly takes a pretty extensive break from music. Remind you that she had come off of promotion for Breakaway, which rolled right into promotion for My December, which rolled right into promotion for All I Ever Wanted. And so she did not have a ton of free time. You know, she made a big deal this summer about taking the entire summer off so that she could just sort of recharge before she gets back to doing the talk show. Well, she had to do something sort of similar after three consecutive album tour, album tour, album tour cycles. And in some cases it was album tour, 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 album tour, tour. So there was a lot uh, that she did between 2004 and 2009. I mean, it was an extremely busy, always on the go time for her. So portions of 2010, she takes time off, but she's also getting songs, evaluating songs, going into the studio and recording. Ultimately, they wanted to put Stronger out in 2010, 
but it ended up getting pushed back a little bit. And then there was a lot of shuffling going on with the label because they wanted to, uh, you know, put it out early on. Because I think as early as maybe the spring of 2011 is when it first got moved to. And then they ultimately moved it to October, which is when it came out. And they say that it had to do with the shakeup with the label. There was new label heads and whatnot. I think it has more to do with Grammy consideration because Kelly Clarkson is Grammy bait. Any album that she puts out, you know, this is again, only her fifth album. And in her career, she keeps getting nominated for best pop vocal album. So RCA has got to be thinking at this point, well, if we want to stack up some nominations and we're feeling pretty good about this record then let's put it a little closer to the time when the Grammy voters are going to have it more top of mind, which would be the end of the year, but yet not so close to the holidays. This was a perfect time to put this album out. Yes, I think the way the Grammys is, is like, uh, it's like September or October. So we'll say like of 2011. And then like the eligibility, it goes from like October of 2011 through September of 2012 to be eligible for the winter 2013 Grammys. And mm-hmm. that's exactly what happened. So it was brilliant. That's why you do see a lot of albums come out in the fall and why they're not as many in the summer. Yeah. That's pretty much it. All right. Uh, any more kind of 30,000 foot observations about the album before we get to uh, high level? Yeah. Before we get into the individual talk. songs? No, I think we're ready to go into each song. We have a lot of songs here because there was the standard version. There was the deluxe version. There was also just another bonus track. So we have almost 20 tracks to talk about. Let's get yeah. started. All right. So off we go with the individual songs on Kelly Clarkson's album, Stronger. We're going to start off with the first track on the album, which also happens to be the first single. And that is Mr. Know-It-All. This song was written by Brian Kennedy. He's sometimes known as Brian Seals or Brian Seals Kennedy. He kind of has a couple of different names depending on uh, legalities of what name he has to put down for writing credit. Uh, It was also written by Esther Dean, Brett James, and Dante Jones. And this was the last song actually recorded for the album. It didn't get recorded until February of 2011. So if they were wanting to put the album out in 2010, this song wouldn't have made it. And it's weird, even though this is not my most favorite song on the album, it's weird to think about Stronger without Mr. Know-It-All, and especially as the first single. Uh, But either way, the song comes out, uh, she records it in Nashville in February of 2011, and they put it out prior to the release of the album. And now, mind you, Kelly is fresh off of a massive hit with Jason Aldean. She's already put out or been out with Don't You Want to Stay. And that song is a huge country hit. In fact, it is the best-selling country duo of all time. Gets her, a, a I think, either, either a Grammy Award or she got Nom. at least a nomination. Nom. Nomination. Yeah. So when that happens, she's already riding high on the country charts so that when Mr. Know-It-All comes out, mind you, this is the pop version of the song, the song actually charts on the country charts because the country crowd is still vibing with Kelly Clarkson after Don't You Want to Stay. And I think this is what ultimately leads to the reason why we get a country mix of this song, Pam. Correct. I actually did. I don't know if I knew that the original version charted on country. I'm not sure yeah. I knew that. Um. 
Yeah, I think that makes sense. So this came out September 5th, I have written 2011, but it did leak a little bit early. Mm -hmm. Um, This was not part of like the big leaks. This was just like, hey, the song's coming out in a few days. Let's leak it. That's often what, unfortunately, what happens. But as what Jeremy said, it was the last song recorded for the album. The album was done. And then she got handed the song and she's like, all right, fine. I'll, I'll give it a listen. And then she ended up loving it, obviously, and putting it as the very first track. And then the country version came in April of 2012, and that was not on the album necessarily. It was just a single that you could listen on its own. And uh, I I really like this song. Um, I feel like people – there's a lot of mixed reactions with this track. I I've – always adored this drum and bass i think it's infectious especially mm-hmm. if you like put it on your car and you blast it you feel it i don't think it's her best song ever no but i do think it's a good fun track although i don't think it was the best first single to choose yeah this one is sort of at the bottom of the list with never again uh with my least favorite lead off singles I don't mind it as a single. It's a good song. I just don't know if it's my favorite to be the first impression of the album. I think that it would have been great to see Stronger as the first single to really kick off this album. But nonetheless, maybe that's the whole point. Maybe it's the whole point to put out a single that doesn't sound like your stereotypical first single from an album. Uh, specifically a Kelly Clarkson album, considering that, you know, she had a big, massive pop song with My Life Would Suck when that was first released from All I Ever Wanted. Maybe it would be too predictable to put out another big, massive pop song like Stronger for this record. So they do Mr. Know-It-All. Who knows? But either way, yeah, not my favorite first single uh, often of an album. And also, I didn't know much about this until I started doing a little research about the song for this episode, but this was another case, the second album in a row, another case of potential plagiarizing of a song, much like we saw with the whole Ryan Tedder, Halo, and Already Gone thing. Apparently, there were some critics, even some fans, who thought that Mr. Know-It-All sounded very close to not one, But two songs, there was an Alicia Keys song that they compared it to. And then also a Bruno Mars song. Uh, The Bruno Mars song was Just the Way You Are. I kind of hear it, but barely. Yeah. And then there was an Alicia Keys song called Doesn't Mean Anything. They say that the song is much closer to that. But I mean, eh, eh. I don't know. I don't hear it. I went and listened to both songs. I Maybe the cadence a little bit. Maybe some of the, the drum track. But I... Mm, this I one mean, was it's a little... Happened ha- a few t- it's happened a few times in Kelly's career. Yeah. Happened, it happened when Since You've Been Gone. People thinking it sounds like uh, Maps by Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs. Mm-hmm. Um, and then wasn't there that whole thing with Heartbeat Song and Jimmy Eat World? And then didn't she give them a writing credit? Yeah. Yeah, that's, I think, so, the one time that she ultimately kind of acquiesce to to people who are complaining yeah but anyway nevertheless um uh this song was number one um on the billboard adult top 40 chart in the u.s it was also number one in australia and in south korea 
Um, and then went is number ten in the states on the Billboard Hot 100. Um, so it it did fairly well. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't like a total. I don't know what the word is. Failure for 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 a single. It did fairly well. Did fine. Um, the music video is okay. Um, I thought they were very creative with it. If you've never seen it, it's Kelly performing in front of a big wall that has a bunch of newspaper clippings, and it's stories about her. It's about her the song leaks, about her being single, her weight, the some of her tours getting canceled. So it's just kind of like poking fun at that and um people thinking they know everything about her. That's obviously the message of the song. Yeah. Um it's an okay video. It's she's had better, she's had worse. It just is. So overall like I like the song. I really do. But it's not my favorite Kelly Clarkson song of all time. Yeah. Now, yes, I totally agree. Yeah. It's it's sort of a middle of the pack song for me when it comes to singles. It's probably lower on my list, but still good song nonetheless. Yep. But we go from that song to a song that lands on many people's list as their favorite Kelly Clarkson song. Definitely lands on the list of songs that most people who do have a random Kelly Clarkson song on their playlist, it's probably this one, and it's probably in their workout mix. Uh, And that is the title track from the album Stronger, in parentheses, What Doesn't Kill You. It uh, was written by Jurgen Ellefson, Ali Tomposi, David Gamson, and Greg Kirsten. Please don't check me on the pronunciations of those names. (laughs) I'm sure other than Greg's name, I did Greg. I know that one I got right, but the other ones, eh, but either way, uh, they were the, uh, the main songwriters for this one. Uh, I mean, look, I don't know what else more there is to say about this song. This is, this song goes back and forth for me with, since you've been gone as Kelly's signature song. Yeah. You know, this is a song that I think she is very, very well known for. I think if you were to ask somebody to name three Kelly Clarkson songs, they would be hard pressed to not name this song. Uh, it is a fantastic prototype pop electro pop dance song. I mean, it is the blueprint for putting out a great song with a massive hook. Uh, now one of the things that the critics did have to say about this song is that they thought that the lyrics specifically the use of the Nitschke quote as the title was a little derivative, maybe a little played out because a lot of songs have used this quote before, but who cares? It's pop music. It's just supposed to be fun and upbeat. Yeah. I mean, Hillary Clinton used it in her book. Yeah. Literally. Um, So this song was released though. I want to backtrack a little bit. Mm -hmm. It's released on January 17, 2012 as a single but the world heard it way earlier in October, even before the album dropped. And fun fact, I noticed, or I I don't have any newer copies of this album, but in early pressings of this CD, the title was called What Doesn't Kill You, in parentheses, Stronger. And then they went and changed it. So if you find it on streaming and on newer copies, it is flipped to call it, be called stronger in parentheses what doesn't kill you so jeremy you have an original cd as do i yep so ours but if you go on spotify it's going to be called stronger in parentheses what doesn't kill you and it's funny because i was i was listening and watching some interviews in preparation for this 
And very early on, Kelly refers to this song as What Doesn't Kill You. Yep. Very quickly turned into Stronger, but for a, for a, a hot sec, it was the song was called What Doesn't Kill You, and it just doesn't flow as nicely. Yeah, I think that people just, they liked referring to it as Stronger. It was just easier to remember. It's short. It's it's rolls right off the tongue. What doesn't kill you, just, it's, I mean, sure, I get it. It's only four words, but still, when you're talking about the minute goldfish-sized memory of the pop yeah. music-loving community, you're going to take a four-word title versus a one-word title? Yeah, you're going to go one word all the time. Absolutely. So f- she did well at the Grammys, just in, for this song in particular, the 2013 Grammys. This song was nominated for Song of the Year and Record of the Year and Best Pop Vocal Performance. She didn't win them, but that's okay. A nomination is still pretty damn good. Yeah. 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 I mean, and this is the album that got her the most nominations of any album that she's had. More than Breakaway, which is wild. Yeah. Yeah. And and technically, Stronger is actually her most successful single uh, because it was uh, number one on 15 different charts. And it uh, was her third number one song in her career. And it was number one for three weeks on the Hot 100, uh, which is longer than any of her other songs. So, yeah. So when you again, you think about songs like Since You've Been Gone, Because of You, What Doesn't Kill You Stronger, like right up there. I mean, it should be considered one of her best songs of her career simply by chart performance alone. Yeah. Um, This music video is cute. So I it's a whole flash mob thing, which in 2012, like flash mobs were such the the thing they were so trendy at the time so yeah. i'm glad she jumped on the bandwagon of course looking back now i'm like oh god that's such a you know 2012 thing but it was really cute and i love that she incorporated fans her the call to action before the video came out was there was like this dance that they created for mm-hmm. this this song and they asked fans hey get you and your friends together Record yourself dancing to the song, submit it as a video, and you might end up in my music video. And there are a couple fans that I've been able to pinpoint in the music video, be like, I know you. Yeah. And I think that's really cool. And she incorporates her band at some point in the flash mob. Um, and it's just like a real fun, inclusive video. It's very much of the time when that video came out. Totally. Totally. Uh, by the way, did you know, Pam, that this wasn't supposed to be Kelly Clarkson's song? I don't know if I knew that. Yeah, it was actually originally offered to Leona Lewis. No. Yes, she turned it down. Thank you, Leona Lewis. Yes. Yes. Wow, I bet you she's kicking herself. But honestly, she's not like, she's great, but this she's not a pop rock artist. Although I was listening to some interview and- Greg Kirsten did make this version a bit more pop rock focused mm-hmm. for Kelly. It was originally a little bit more, more urban. Yep. He added some more like, like guitar riffs into this to make it a little bit more rock. So yep. worked out. Very interesting. Didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, and again, the single is massively popular. Ended up going on to sell more than 7 million copies. Uh, it was listed by Billboard magazine as the number two best idol song of all time, which by the way, Kelly owns six of the top 10 songs on that list, including number one and number two. I'm, is number one since you've been gone? 
It is. Okay. I was like, yes. what else could number one be? Like, I, yeah. I was like, before he cheats? I don't know. <laughs> I don't <laughs> no, know. No, that was, that was much further down the list, unfortunately. Ooh. Um, anyway. Also, this was another one of Kelly's songs uh, after the uh, Addicted Tour when she teamed up with the folks from Ford and she had the song Go in a commercial with Ford Mustangs. Stronger was in a commercial campaign for Toyota. I'm glad you brought that up because I watched that yesterday and I uh-huh. had forgotten all about this. Yep. It was cute. It was her, was it J- James Lipton? James Lipton, Andrew Zimmern, and Zimmern. Uh, Chris Berman from ESPN. Yeah, and they're in the car singing Stronger. It's really cute. Yeah. Wow, that was a flash of the past. I that like I completely forgot about it. It actually surprises me that this song has not been, and maybe it has and I just haven't seen them, that it hasn't been used in more commercials because it is just such a commercially ready song. Yeah. It just screams, put me in a commercial, put me in all your Peloton commercials, put me in any kind of you know commercial where you're trying to empower people because not only this song, but really the album itself. This is a big empowerment album. And in early the early 2010s, this was most everyone's empowerment anthem. Music supervisors, if we have anyone listening, <laughs> put this in your commercials. Thank there you, you go. All right. The next song that we have is the third and final single. Ugh. It is called, oh, you have feelings? I have feelings about that particular statement, and I'll bring them up as we're talking about this song. Okay, got it. <laughs> the song is called Dark Side. It was also produced by Greg Kirsten and written by Busby, Buzz, Busby. I'm not sure if I'm saying that Busby, correctly. Yeah. And Alex Garingas. Yep. Um, this demo was another one that was leaked, but I didn't remember this one being leaked. I don't I, remember hearing the demo. I'm, I'm, I mean, maybe I have a copy of it knocking around somewhere, yeah. but yeah, I don't remember this one as well. So here's my thing with this song. I I think it's very pretty. It's very sad. I think it has a fantastic progression and melody. You know, I'm curious to hear Jeremy's point of view because you sounded already annoyed. I think <laughs> this could have been an, a, a bigger single had they done the correct promotion. But... I think that they just were, they kind of half asked it and just put it out mm-hmm. without much push. Um, but this is probably one of my favorites on the album. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Do you not like it that much? No, I like the song fine. Um, and I don't know if you're, if you're ready for me to just go into my diatribe here. Do it. Because whenever I hear the song Dark Side, I get angry because <laughs> it reminds me of how. RCA did this album dirty. Oh. And it's because Dark Side is the last single on this album. Now, a couple of things here. First of all, yes, Stronger was a massive hit. They ate off of that single for nearly six months before they put out Dark Side. Six months. Yeah, that that's is an silly. eternity in pop music. Yeah. So. First of all, they waited too long to put out another single. And I think that that probably slowed the momentum of the album. But the fact that you had this album, which I I have gone on the record of saying in the past is that between this and Breakaway, these are the two best albums she's put out in her career. You have a singer like Kelly and you have an album like this and you put out three singles, <laughs> three there are so many more good songs on this record, and you stopped at 
three? <laughs> Come screen, on. My screen just shook a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> you were pounding down. It, yeah. It, and they ju- it, it drives they sh- me yeah. crazy. This should yeah. not, first of all, first of all, and we talked about this in, on the podcast in the past about songs that we would uh, take back as singles. This is my choice, obviously, because, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's close-ish with Mr. Know-It-All, but this is my choice to take back as a single. But there are so many more songs that I would have added as singles, and we'll get to those as we yeah. as we go down the line. But every time I hear this song, all I can think of is that RCA stopped, they put the brakes on they're, this record. They were lazy. Yeah, and they moved right on a couple months later to a Greatest Hits package that's just a quick money grab. Yeah, sure, it had a couple of new singles on it, but come on. If they would have managed this better, if they would have not tried to bleed every nickel they could get out of Stronger, and maybe even if they were insistent on still having Dark Side as the third single, and and Kelly herself said she loves this song. She wanted it to be the third single. And I'm not saying Kelly's wrong, but if they would have put it out sooner to sort of capitalize on the success of Stronger before Stronger burned out on radio, this album might have had more legs and could have lasted longer with a couple of additional singles that this album is Deep. This album is deep with potential singles. And again, we'll get to that as we, as we progress yeah. down the line. Like this could have had four or five singles. It could Dark have. Dark Side could have been number three. It also could have been number five and that's okay. But there was yeah. a, there were plenty of other songs that they could have fit in for the other two slots. And and don't even, and I I don't even want to get started going down the road of how this song gives me my December vibes. I mean, this song would have fit perfectly yeah. on that record. That's not to say that it's a bad song or anything. I'm just saying... I get so angry when I hear this song because I just feel like RCA quit on this record, which is a record that they loved. This was the first time in two albums since Breakaway, and we're talking My December and All I Ever Wanted, that RCA and Kelly Clarkson didn't butt heads over the creative direction of an album. Yeah, Everybody was vegan kosher with this album. They were happy with it, and yet they still gave up on it, and that's the part that drives me crazy funny weird little fun fact is that this almost didn't even make the album narvel had to encourage her to put it on but she actually turned it down initially because she thought it was like a little too sad for Mm -hmm. the whole album's message and i am glad they included it i really do enjoy this but it is also kind of one of those songs that like maybe didn't wasn't the best fitting or maybe shouldn't have been this high up in the track listing i don't know um, music video is, I think has good intentions. It's nothing mm-hmm. amazing. Kelly looks fantastic. And it's yeah. like people going through hardships and then they have a moment of like, oh, you'll accept me for my flaws. And then Kelly hugs them. That's pretty yeah. much the video. It's yeah. okay. Um, the video was nominated for a MTV V or I don't know why I said MTV. I'm like reading my like notes right now. She was nominated for a VMA in 2012 for best video with a message, but she did not win. Um, do you have any like chart info on this? Yeah, I mean the song was a a decent hit. It was the number one dance club song. What? But yeah, number one on the on the Billboard Dance Club. Are you like crying and like <laughs> pumping your fist to this? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Like what? Come on, girl. 
Will you love me with my dark side? Okay, whatever. Yeah. As far as chart performance, compared to the other songs on the album, it doesn't stack up. I mean, it, I think it only topped out in the 40s on the Hot 100. Uh, it got top 20 on the Adult Contemporary. It got top top 10 on the Adult Top 40. So that's a little disappointing for a Kelly Clarkson song, especially when it's the follow-up to Stronger, which was just such a massive worldwide hit. I mean, who can follow up that song? Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I think there are a couple of decent songs that could have followed it up, not necessarily Dark Side, but it did okay. All right. So we're done with Dark Side. Let's move on to track number four, which is a song called Honestly. Honestly was produced by Greg Kirsten and written by Tom Shapiro, Marv, uh, Robert Marvin, and Cat Gravity, who Tom and Cat did a lot of country stuff, which was very interesting. Yeah, there's um, a lot of country writers on this record. Yeah. Um, I adore this song. And this is a song that also sounds very out of place on this album, but it still works out really well. She claims that it was the most different and theatrical song on the album, which hands down agree. Um, and this is the song that she referenced being influenced by Radiohead. Yeah, this is this is her Radiohead song for which, the album. Yeah. I'm wondering if we should we should tell Kyle, hey, by the way. <laughs> yeah. If you ever get around to, you know, doing another Casey classic, have her throw in honestly. Yeah, because I don't know if she's performed this one live. Pam, I would love to say that she's never performed it, but she did perform it one single time. Okay. Uh, in Australia. Okay. That a was little, a little far for me. Yeah the the one and only time that she performed it, it was the uh, the Australian leg of the Stronger tour, um, and it was a it was a fan request. So it wasn't even something that she just decided. Oh, let's throw this into the set list because you know we want to try it out and see what the fans think. No, it was a specific request by fans. Nice. I really like the song. I, I I think because it is so different and it's so intense, it has a huge production, but you can still hear her vocals really well. It has fantastic background vocals. Um, and I love the message of the song, which I think really trickles down to this whole album, which is almost like, I, you know, I have no time for BS. I want you to be honest with me. And it's just kind of like this, the whole theme of the album is a lot of like, boundaries which i think she's thinking like as she's approaching 30 like kind of reflecting on her life and thinking like i don't want you to treat me like this this is mm -hmm. how i want to be respected so i think this is a great example of that i have a, a weird statement that i've never said before but as i was listening earlier today i think this could have been a very interesting single choice because it is so different but is so captivating what are your hmm. thoughts Oh, uh, I don't hear it. You I don't, don't hear, hear it? it as yeah. I don't hear it as a single. Okay, I could be wrong, but I don't know. I no, just no. You're I it's your it's your opinion. Intrigued. Go with it. Yeah. What are your thoughts on this song, though? I like the song. Um, you know, there's there's some production choices that Greg Kirsten made that I really like in this song. Uh, it's a very easily re-listenable song. There are some songs on this record that I'm probably going to bring up the term re-listenable. Uh, there are not as much. This song is. Um, it's so weird, too, though, because, you know, when you're looking at the track listing, and, and I don't know how much Kelly herself sits down with, you know, a whiteboard, and she's like, all right, here are all the songs that we are considering for an album. Let's put them in the track order. 
I don't know how much she pays attention to that. This song falls flat for me because it's on the heels of the three biggest songs on the album. Yeah, this and could so, definitely be like a towards the end of the album. Almost like, I think I said this once before, having finishing an album with a really sad song, I think is mm-hmm. actually very smart. Yeah. And I think that would, this could have been a great closer. Yeah, it's a little bit of a wah, wah after you have like, you know, three really big tunes and then you kind of come in with Honestly, which still has, again, an excellent vocal. It's still a big song, but, and and maybe it is the whole Radiohead influence of it all that makes it stick out so much for me. And there's another song that we're going to talk about much later in our track by track breakdown that there's a good reason why it wasn't included with the album because it is so different from everything I, else on the album. I think I know what, what you're Oh yeah. I'm sure about. you could probably pick it out, <laughs> but this is one of those songs that sounds so different from everything else sonically that it it's a weird kind of speed bump for me as we get into sort of, you know, the next few up-tempo songs. Yeah, I agree. I, I adore it. I think it is one of my favorites in the album, but I will fully agree with you. It's not placed correctly. Yeah. Not at all. All right, Dara. Next song on Stronger is my first choice on this album for song that should have been a single. Okay. And it is You Love Me. It is also the first song on the album that we see a writing credit for Kelly herself, along with Josh Abraham and Oliver Goldstein. Those are two names we're going to be saying a lot uh, for the rest of the album because they wrote with her a whole bunch for this record. Um, Look, this first and foremost, a lot of people may not know this. This is Kelly's favorite song on the album. Yeah. She's on record saying it and she said it always will be. Yeah. And she wrote it in 10 minutes. Yeah. Not too shabby. I mean, she wrote her part. Um, She wrote it inspired by people not understanding the definition of love. Mm -hmm. Damn. This is the one that she compares, which I think is a little bit of a stretch, to Prince and Tina Turner. Yeah. I And, you know, after I heard that quote from her, I went back and re-listened to the song. And I get it. You know, it kind of has that, like... If it was maybe a little bit more up-tempo, not saying it's not up-tempo, but if it had just a little more, you know, higher BPM, I could see it being like a good Tina Turner song. Um, The Prince comparison, I have a little bit of a tougher time with. I'm trying to like, I'm trying to figure out how that works, but if she sees it and, and he was an inspiration for her for this song, then who am I to say that it's wrong? Right. Yeah, I think it's a solid pop song. I think it's so much fun, and it's such like a little – it's like kind of a big like F you. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of a gaslighting song, like set, realizing someone's super toxic for you and just being like, you know what? I'm better than this. You know, I'm going to set my own boundaries and going to preach it. So I really love the song, and I this I think this could have been a pretty solid single choice. It's just got a great hook on it. That's, I mean, that's my yeah. favorite part is the hook on this song. And it's just, it's a driving song, uh, not like car driving, but like, <laughs> it, like it, it has big momentum. Yeah. Uh, and especially when the chorus hits, just a really good big pop song. Um, yeah. I would have loved this as a single now, third single, because this is now going to be my, you know, after I put the, the gauntlet out there that it should have been something other than dark side. It's like, okay, well, smart guy, which one? I don't know if this is, you know, the song you put out after Stronger, but I would consider it. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And I also love the smokestack version. Yes. Um, we kind of went we went slightly out of order with our, our album breakdown, but uh, if you have not listened to our smokestack um, album breakdown, it's the two EPs that Kelly put out um, in conjunction. One of the, she did Smokestack Volume One. She released that EP with Stronger, and then Smokestack Volume Two with Greatest Hits. But yes, listen right. to the episode because we're going to reference it occasionally throughout here. But she did a re—I don't want to say a remix. She re-recorded and redid the song on the Smokestack, and I love that version equally because they're both so different definitely yeah all right the next song is a doozy (laughs) the next song is everyone's favorite song it's called einstein it was written by kelly lol um toby gad bridget kelly and james fauntleroy we'll just go with that and uh toby gad is a pretty big uh, producer and writer he worked on another track so she has said that she hated the dumb it was originally called dumb plus dumb equals you and she was like i hate that same so they dropped it and called it einstein and in like the album commentary about this like on spotify literally all that she can say is like it has a cool tlc influence and it's cool. It's a cool, different song. And it's fun to sing. That is all she says, which makes me think that this was forced on the album. Even though she did write on it, I still have a feeling that she was not about this song. Or, like, the parts that she wrote were, like, the intelligent lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I don't know. I'm very conflicted on the song because the lyrics are garbage. Garbage. But the beat and she is so good and she sounds so good. So I love listening to the song. Well, you you match very well with a lot of the critics who went through and picked apart the album. Yeah. Critics hate the lyrics to this song, but they love her vocal. They love her performance on this song. And it's good. If you can somehow train your ear to not listen to the words and and comprehend the words but you're just listening to how she sings. It's a phenomenal song, which yeah. is weird to say about this song. But the and and honestly, it's it's really any of the math style uh, <laughs> equations of you know trying to equate like a math like a relationship to a math problem. Yeah. If you take those out, if you remove <laughs> if you remove the no, math from no, the song, no no algebra in our Kelly Clarkson music. Yeah. Take out any kind of math-related lyric and replace it with, God, I don't know, just incoherent mumbling. It <laughs> Vegetables, would be, I don't know. Yeah, it would be a considerably <laughs> better song. Yeah. But it's just the the whole juxtaposition of the math equations to trying to make those into, you know, comparing a person or a relationship. They are so cringy that it just ruins your ability to like this song and i know plenty of people who like this song just fine and that's that's fine it's music is subjective you you should have songs that you like that other people don't like but i just i can't get around them and there was another critic and i actually wrote his words down one critic called the chorus some of the worst lines in pop history i believe the chorus, it i believe the chorus. it yeah some of the worst lines in pop music history and there have been a lot of really bad pop songs. Now, mind you, there's been some really bad ones since then. Yes. So Einstein might be further down that guy's list. But still, this is sort of, for me, this is one of two 
really hairy blemishes on this album that otherwise is a fantastic pop record. But there's just a couple of little things where you're like, eh, it's not perfect, though. And this is this is one of them for me. And and I mean, if if anything, this song is a punchline with the fan base. Totally. For if those we, who are sort of in the know. Yeah. If whenever we get Kelly on here. I kind of want to just be like, Kelly, explain Einstein and why it happened. (laughs) Yes. We're going to work really hard for two years to get Kelly Clarkson on our podcast. And the first thing we're going to do, we're going to be like, welcome Kelly Clarkson. Hey, Clarkson, Einstein, explain yourself. (laughs) That'll be the shortest episode. She'll be like, bye, guys. Yeah. Bye, y'all. Trisha will be like, and we got to (laughs) go. Sorry, something came up. Yeah. Sorry, we forgot we were supposed to be anywhere else right now. (laughs) Woo. All right. I think we're done with with that. I think we are, too. All right. Next song is Standing in Front of You. This was What a palate cleanser. (laughs) Palate cleanser. This was written by Kelly and Abe and Eubanks. And (sighs) (laughs) it's just. It's like you get you get forced this really weird thing that you're not used to and you're uncomfortable with. And then what better way to cleanse the palate, as I said, than to come back with something super familiar like Abe and Eubanks and production by Jason Halbert. Exactly. It's like the only song on the album that includes like the Casey band as the writers yep. and producers. Yeah, because Miles is on this uh, on this track as well. He plays on the track. Yeah. So she said that she wrote this because she would say it to someone and she would want someone to say this message back to her. This is def- I, I hate saying this because I love Aben and I love Jason to death. This is by far my least favorite on the album. I have never Interesting. I've never liked it. I think the verses are really pretty and I know it's like a nice little kind of country-ish, a little schmaltzy, but I think the verses are really pretty and I love her her background vocals and there's like some strings and the drums but I think the voc the the chorus is so weak just interesting melody and she just is like it's almost a little breathy and I just get really bored with the chorus so if they change the chorus I'd love it more I think it's a really pretty song. I, I know that uh, Kelly referred to it as uh, her soundtrack song. This is a song that she could see being put into, you know, a romantic comedy or, or some sort of romance movie, you know, whenever they make another notebook movie or whatever, they could put this song in there. Yeah. Um, it's also, as she described, very ethereal, which, again, lends itself to the breathy vocals. And I, I like that. I don't mind breathy vocals. Um, I, I think when she does it, it's really, really good. She, she does it better in 2022 than she does on this particular song. Yeah. But still, I like it. It's it's a nice song. It's a really pretty song. Yeah. This is uh, it's an. I hate to say it. For me, it's an automatic skip. I'm not, it's not. I don't. I don't hate it as much as you hate Impossible, but I just get kind of. <laughs> eh. Eh. Like today, I, I listened to it for the first time in years. So yeah, yikes! But yikes. I'd have no other notes on that. Do you? No, um, it's it is what it is. It's it's a pretty song. It's an album track, which is what a lot of people refer to a song that 
is just, a, I mean, I, I, I don't, don't want like, to insult a song like by calling it filler. Filler, yeah. Yeah, I don't want to call it filler. But considering the songs that didn't make the album, and, and, and there's a part of me that really wants to defend this song because it is an Aben and Kelly song. It's a Jason produced song, you know, with her band on the song. I really want to stick up for this. And I, and I love that it's on the album. I wish that all of those factors were part of a different song yeah. so that I could feel better about saying, okay, yeah, I could probably lose that song for, I don't know the Chris Daughtry duet that was recorded for this album. Yes. Yes. So, Preach. so I, I think about, cause I mean, there were a lot of demos. Again, we talked about that at the beginning of the show. There was a lot of demos that were leaked. There were a lot of songs that were under consideration. I'm very interested as to see what the thinking was, what the motivation was for these particular songs to make the album. Again, I'm not hating on the song. I like it just fine, but it is not a song that if somebody says, you know, oh, I'm very interested in learning more about this Kelly Clarkson. Can you play me a couple of her songs? This is not one of them. Exactly. It's a good song, but you know. It is what it is. Yeah. All right. Next song is a song called I Forgive You. This was written by Rodney Jerkins, a.k.a. Dark Child. Dark Child. Um, Andre Lindell and Lauren Christie. And this is also produced by Dark Child and Andre. And um, here's the thing. I've always really liked this song. It, I know you love this song. Like, love it's it. the perfect driving song. It's a great pop song. Mm-hmm. However... My, I did not know that this was Dark Child until yesterday, and I am now not as fond of the song because, and I'm not, this is not a knock on Kelly, Dark Child, if you're unfamiliar with him, he's an iconic producer, he's done Say My Name by Destiny's Child, he's done Telephone by Lady Gaga, Beyonce, and a lot more. He's, I mean, he's primarily a a hip-hop, R&B producer. Exactly. it's. It's a shock that he doesn't name check himself in the song because he he name checks himself in every other song. Okay, so that's where I was getting at. Literally, like you hear it, you're like, Dark Child. Yeah, Yeah, it's literally like, if you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. But I just expected more from him. It's not, I I love the song, but knowing that it's from him, I expected something way different and way bigger and something not so basic and repetitive. Basic? Yes. Basic. Listen, I love okay. it, but it is such a stereotypical basic pop song. And? <laughs> but there's nothing special about it. That's the thing. It's just, it, it just, it is what it is. But for, to have a Dark Child produced track, I just expected there'd be so much more meat to it and a name drop. So I'm a little, <laughs> now that I know this, I'm like, well, damn, this could have been even bigger. And like, they could have put in way more effort into it to make it, I don't know, something more special and have that cred on the song, name drop him, and release that as a single. After Stronger, you have a Dark Child. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't need a name check in the song. It's fine. <laughs> this is another one of my choices for should have been a single. Uh, because it is, and it's not even just a pop song. This is actually classified as a power pop song. Oh, excuse me. Be- because it is so big. The drums on it are turned up to 11. It is huge chorus that is very easily rememberable, re-listenable, and is an earworm. It is. I'm telling is. you, this This is like um, this and some of Kelly's other songs 
are so earworm e earwormy, I guess, that it's hard to get them out of your head. And this is one of my favorite earworm songs of hers. And in fact, and and again, I this blew my mind when I was looking up the notes for this song. Kelly called this. This is Kelly's own words. She calls this the biggest anthem on the album. Oh, she she honey. said this honey. about a, a song on the same album as Stronger, no. which is <laughs> the anthem of like her career. That was a bold statement from her. That was a bold, bold. bold. I mean, even I'm like, ooh, girl, mm, mm-hmm. you sure? Because I mean, I mean, it's a good song, but dang. So apparently, this actually did really well in South Korea. If we have any anyone listening in South Korea, feel free to like tweet us because I yeah. Let us know if if this if you know if Wikipedia was was correct. But due to digital sales, once the album was released, the song charted in num- at number one in South Korea, which is a number one wild hit. <laughs> it's wild because yeah. like most people don't know the song because it's an album track, and then it's a number one hit from the country that not ten years later would give us BTS. <laughs> this song was number one. Yes. I forgive you. Yes. By Kelly Clarkson. Yes. I know. What? I know. I mean, listen, the internet might be lying, but this is what the internet told me. So I don't know, guys. <laughs> um, this was another one that that also did leak um, this summer of 2011 leaks. Um, but I'm pretty sure it was a pretty similar version of this. I think it might have been slowed down a tiny bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, it this is pretty much what you heard is what you got. So. This song kicks ass. I I love this song so much. Like you said at the beginning of it, it's a great song when you're driving. Yeah. Like it's great to crank this song up, do the air drums to it. Oh, it's funny. So good. Listen, I really do love the song. I want to just make, I want to make that clear. I love it. I will listen to it. I will sing along happily. Rob hates this song as much as you hate. I know he does. As much as you hate Impossible, which I'm like, I know. What? Like I get it. It's very repetitive, but like what's there to hate? It's a pop song that's easy to remember. I mean, yeah. that's that's the formula for pop music is something catchy that you're going to remember and sing along to. That's all it needs to be. It doesn't have to cure cancer. <laughs> oh God. I mean, honestly, <laughs> it's right. just pop music, man. It's just pop music. All right. Yeah. Next song is a song called Hello, um, all written by Josh Abraham, Oliver Goldstein, as we heard earlier, and also Bonnie McKee, who... Um, worked uh, with Kelly on a few stuff as well. Now, I have a funny, interesting thing about this writing trio and Kelly. So maybe this mm-hmm. writing quadro, I don't know, the four of them. I Googled <laughs> those Josh, Oliver, and Bonnie, and something else came up. Apparently, the four of them, including Kelly, wrote another song that obviously Kelly never put out. It's called You're the Only One for Me. Hmm. I just wanted to throw that out there as a little fun fact um, that they probably worked on a couple tracks together and Hello is the one that made it out into into the open. But I'm curious if they ever recorded the other song. But yeah, that's interesting. I would love to hear that. Anywho. um, So this was this was an instance where Kelly actually also wrote on this song. I left it out of my notes, but um, the, the three of them had written part of the track and they had given Kelly the rest of it being like hey can you write some more of this and she she said yes because it reminded her a lot of um cheryl crow which mm-hmm. i kind of see kind of yeah no 
it, it's got a you know there's like an acoustic guitar vibe going on which sounds very Cheryl Crow in that era um so yeah I I hear it when I heard that she said that this is like a, a song that is a little inspired by Cheryl Crow I totally hear it yeah this is a song I really do like but it is very much an album track it is very much would never be a single in my opinion yeah I see that I mean look if we're if we're gonna you know, say that about the song, I would say then that this would probably be the best of the quote unquote album tracks on the song. Here, here's my reasoning for it. I love that Kelly worked with Bonnie McKee specifically. If you don't know who Bonnie McKee is, she's not even just a writer. She's also a singer of her own. I think she had a, she had a song called American girl uh, that was pretty awesome but you have to understand that Bonnie McKee, at the time that she wrote Hello along with um, with Kelly and the other writers, she was probably on one of the hottest writing streaks of just about anybody because she and Katy Perry wrote all of the big songs together on Teenage Dream. She co-wrote California Girls, Teenage Dream, Last Friday Night, Wide Awake, Part of Me. And then I think she she co-wrote Roar as well, which was on the next record. She's the one who's responsible for those songs along with Katy Perry. So she was on a hot streak. And I'm a little disappointed that this was what they came up with, yeah. was this sort of like Cheryl Crowy kind of song. I feel like... She could have come correct with a big pop song well, with Kelly. Well, she did. She did. Yeah. Which we're going to get into a little bit later. I don't. I wouldn't yeah. say as big as something on Teenage Dream level. No, but, no, no. You know, she's worked with Kelly on a few stuff. One song that we're going to talk about in a little bit. She also did work on Bad Reputation a couple mm. albums later. I get what you're saying, though. Like, there could... That's, that's how I feel about Dark Child. Like, both amazing, great songs, but, like... There could have been something else. Did um, you really give us your all with Kelly? <laughs> exactly. That's exactly how I feel about this. But it, I really do enjoy this song, and it is really fun to sing along to. But it's definitely lower on my list of my favorites from this album. When I was going through the reviews of Stronger, the critics absolutely love this song. Really? They love it. Yeah, they thought it was one of the best songs on the album. Strange. Yeah. Very strange. Very and also, I I love the version that she did on on Smokestack as well. Um, she did this one. Um, it, I can't remember if it was Volume One or Volume Two. It doesn't really matter, but uh, it's it's an excellent version. It's a it's a little more twang, uh, twangy country ish, a yeah. little, but still great. Still love it. Yeah. All right. You want to talk about the next song? Let's do it. Uh, it is the war is over. Uh, and this song was written by Toby Gad and Olivia Waith. Uh, Olivia is also known by her stage name, which is Livy Frank. Um, so you might see both names if you're looking up info on this song. She actually wrote on another Kelly song. Did you know this? She did. Yep. She yes. wrote on Four Carrots. Yes. Which is a song I forgot about. <laughs> Completely. Um, this was actually the very first song that they recorded for the Stronger album. It was the first song that Kelly got into her hands that her label sent her, and she loved the song right away. 
and it was the first song ultimately that they recorded for the album. It actually um, was supposed to be another parenthetical titled song. Really? Uh, yes. So we already have What Doesn't Kill You, Stronger, on the album. This was originally supposed to be titled The War Is Over, parentheses, You Don't Deserve Me. That's too much. That's yeah, I almost wonder if they thought that, okay, you know, we've already got one song where we're putting more of the title in parentheses. I don't think we need to have two of them. I hate parentheses in songs. Like, I don't know if I've ever said that. I don't know why. I hate it. What a, what a weird thing to hate. I, it's like, why do you have to have a parentheses? Just like call it what it is. I don't know. <laughs> it's very strange. Um, this is a song that at the time when it, this came out, I was like, okay, it's fine. And as I've gotten older, I like it a lot more. Mm-hmm. It's uh, and I think I mentioned this during our smokestack is that this was another smokestack. Uh, they redid this as well. Yep. Um, I love both versions. They're both they're they're not that different from each other. All things considered, I like them both. But this is a good song to listen to with a good pair of headphones. There are a lot of layers and a lot of things you can mm-hmm. miss if you're just listening on speakers. So a lot of great layers, a lot of great background vocals. Love the message. We love boundaries. Being done mm-hmm. with situations, we love it, and uh, yeah, Toby Gad's pretty cool. I like his stuff. Yeah, it's good. It's a good song. Um, again, it's sort of another album track for me, but it's it's good. All right, we're gonna move on to the next song. This is my third choice for songs that should have been singles. I need like off a of stronger. I need like a banner right now that says like mm-hmm. should have been a single. Yes. I mean, uh, let me down, guys. Yes. It's no secret. I love the song. I've said mm-hmm. it at nauseum. This was a weird. Well, let, let me backtrack. This was written by Chris DeStefano, who um, is typically a country guy, I think. But he's very much a country guy. I mean, he wrote with Carrie Underwood. He wrote yeah. with Luke Bryan and and Brett Eldridge. He uh he worked he's worked on Second Wind and he worked on Don't Be a Girl About It, which we'll talk about in a bit. Um, but Kelly also wrote a little bit on this. And I love the story behind this this writing thing. She was on the way to a Pilates class, yep. was listening to the track, and was like, screw the Pilates class. I'm going to write the song in the car. <laughs> so she did. I love that. Yeah, she literally sits in a parking lot in her car, skips the Pilates class, and writes the lyrics to Let Me Down, which ultimately ends up being one of the bigger bangers on this album. Oh, my gosh. So good. So weird thing about this. I don't know if anyone has any memory of this. So this was also included in the Summer of Leaks. However, I have a weird memory and I have a screenshot somewhere in the depths of my hard drives that I need to find. A Canadian radio station played this like July or August of 2011. So before Mr. Nonal was even a thing, it played it. And I remember listening to a live stream of this on like a internet radio show in Canada they played Let Me Down. And I, everyone was like, what's going on? Is this the new single? And there was no chatter about it again. Hmm. I don't know if anyone has any idea what I'm talking about. I, re- I think Chelsea does because I, I, I'm pretty sure Chelsea would. Um, but I just remember that was a weird little nugget. But um, Kelly has referred to the song as an older version of like an adult version of Hazel Eyes, like a, like a grown up version. Mm-hmm. I, can yeah, I can see that. I can see yeah. that. It has such a cool, like, kind of industrial rock-ish sound and vibe to it. And man, this would have done really well if the masses had heard it. I don't think it. I don't think right after Stronger. I don't think it would have been 
I think maybe you would have needed like a little cushion in between, like a, like maybe this could have been like single number four. But what a banger! It's so good, and I would. It's it was very hard for her to sing live because it's just so vocally demanding. Yeah. But even when she did it on tour briefly, she she nailed it. Yeah, and she. I mean, she did it all throughout um, the stronger tour, yeah. from what I what I remember. And that's because this is also one of the songs that uh, Kelly calls one of her favorites on the album. And that's why it's so perplexing to me. And again, this goes back to my diatribe during our discussion about Dark Side. It's so perplexing because there are songs that Kelly absolutely loved on this album that didn't get consideration to be singles. Or maybe they did and they got overruled or whatever. But if you have the artist say, this is one of my favorite songs on the album, and she ends up playing it night after night on both tours that support the record, and it doesn't even, I mean, it doesn't get considered to be a single? I mean, how? How does that work? Because this song is ripe for radio. In fact, I'll read what one of the critics said. It says, the quote is, the massive chorus swallows the verses whole and invites radio spins. Yeah. So even the critics are saying this is perfect radio song. This should be on the radio. Yeah, I truly do not know what they were thinking. I it like makes me livid. Just how like the dark side placement and that whole you know rollout was for you. This gets my blood boiling because there's no reason yeah. why this should have not been a single. It would have done very very well. Uh, I just want to throw in also. I love the drums on this song too. Oh, it's so good. Just. This I think this is probably my favorite Kelly album to like air drum to. Yeah, <laughs> there's just the the drums are so great on this album. So I, I I felt like I've needed to say that after several different songs, but yeah, for sure on uh, on Let Me Down as well. All right, the next song is another song that I think may have done really well at radio. It is You Can't Win. This was um, another collaboration with Kelly, Josh Abraham, Oliver Goldstein, and Felix Bloxham. Um, she wrote this in Germany during the All I Ever Wanted tour, inspired by all these rumors that were going around and how she and that were she was in the media for whatever BS thing was going on there, and she got fed up, rightfully so. And, he, and here I would have thought that this song was inspired by Code Germany, oh, oh, which good is that one. same, which is that same tour. Oh yeah, I'm just thinking, man, you're just trying to go out there and sing a great song on the stage, and then you have to go and to the bathroom very quickly. <laughs> Boy, you just can't win. Oh my god, that would have. <laughs> hey, that could be a song. That would be a whole other, whole other song. <laughs> um, this should have been a single. I think. I think it could have been really good because it is an infectious pop song. Remember, it's very easy to remember the lyrics, and people remember the lyrics because they're so damn relatable. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Like this also leaked that summer, and this was a standout for me because. I was just like, this just speaks to every single person. You know, we all yeah. face criticism. We, you know, you can't do anything right. We all face it. And I really think you would have had so many types of audiences singing along to this when listening to the radio. You would have mm-hmm. kids, soccer moms, grown men, you know, yeah, including you. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I, I love to quote that uh, Billboard magazine put out about this particular song, You Can't Win. They said, and I quote, spiky guitar riffs paired with some of the album's most clever lyrics. Here's the line I love. 
Why is this buried at track 12? Thank you. It Even Billboard magazine is saying, this is not an album track. This deserves to be heard. Why did you bury this on the album? Yeah, I 100% agree. I don't know who did the track. I know we've said this like five times already. I don't know who did the track listing for this album, but like they were not paying attention. Yeah, I think that would be something that I would definitely like to have a redo on is the track listing for this particular album. Yeah, ooh, possible idea for an episode where we revamp the the, the track listings. Write that down. Writing writing it down right now. <laughs> uh, that's a good one. Do you have any other uh, comments on this song? No, I don't think so. Look, it's it's. I didn't put it down as a should have been a single, but if I were to have one more ability to do that, I would feel okay doing it with this song. Uh, it's it's a great song. And now that I know that it was written in Germany around the time of Code Germany, that's all I'm going to think of when oh. I hear this song. I wish you didn't. I really wish you didn't. All right, moving on. <laughs> um, the next song is Breaking Your Own Heart. This is the last song on the standard version of the album. And this was produced by Howard Benson, who did a lot on All I Ever Wanted. And uh, written by Jennifer Hansen and Michael Logan. I initially did not like the song. I, this was another skip for me. But I, it started to grow on me a little bit more. Um, and I can tell you the moment it did. It's when we had Jason Farrell on last year. And I was doing the prep for that. And I was re-watching the, their performance of this that he and Kelly did on duets. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, the song isn't so bad. And then I've been re-listening to it ever since then, and I really enjoy it. It's a nice little kind of country pop ballad. Yeah, and and I'm glad that you said just that uh, a second ago, Pam, because I know there's a lot of people that don't particularly care for this song, and they say, you know, oh yeah, it deserves to be, you know, the last song on the standard edition of the album. But in fact, Jennifer Hansen and Michael Logan are country writers. They are country people who write songs for country artists and Kelly wanted them to write on this album. And she even said, this is a pop song that is written like a country song because she loves the storytelling aspect of country music. And so she tried to do the same thing in a pop song. Now, I don't know if the execution is quite right, but I already liked this song. I, I listen to this song every time it comes up, but This has given me a little bit like it's notched me up just a little bit in my appreciation for this song, knowing that it's basically just a country song. But I'm also glad that you you found a little bit of extra love for it because of the duets version of the song, which she did duets around the time that she was uh, promoting Stronger. So why not? not? It wasn't a bad duet. No, I liked it for a duet. I liked it. All right, let's. We have a couple tracks left. We're gonna go now into the deluxe version. So the deluxe mm-hmm. had an additional four songs. Um, the first one we kind of already spoke about a little bit. It is "Don't You Want to Stay" with Jason Aldean. Technically, it was for Jason's album um, the year prior, I think, and then mm-hmm. they included it on the deluxe version because they saw it was a massive hit. And uh, I don't really know what there is to say about it. I it was a huge hit, huge crossover hit on multiple, you know, Jeremy can speak to this more on like country radio and some pop more pop stuff. And 
I think this is one of her best duets of all time. I know Jason Aldean is a very controversial person, but putting the person aside, I think this is one of the, her best duets of all time. Yeah, it's a it's a great duet. Whenever I think of Kelly duetting with people, this is the first one I think of. Um, I, you know, maybe the John Legend duet is the next one I think of. But yeah, there's there's not much to say. I mean, look, at the end of the day, this is a Jason Aldean featuring Kelly Clarkson song. And by the time that Stronger was coming out, this song was already a massive hit. It was probably just a couple of phone calls to Jason's people. They worked out a deal. Okay, you're going to get, you know, so many points on the album uh, if you are to, you know, let us include it on here. So it was a no-brainer because it was just such a massive hit. Of course, Kelly fans would want their own copy, so to speak, of this song. So it made sense to put it on the deluxe edition. I'm fine with it. Um, I'm so burned out on the song that I rarely listen to it anymore. Yeah. It's a, I mean, when I listen through the deluxe version, it's a skip for me wow. just because I'm so burned out on it. Now, for the sake of you know this episode, I listened through it, and it's it's still a good song. So... Yeah, yeah. It, but it's but at the end of the day, it's a Jason Aldean featuring Kelly Clarkson song. You know, it won um, a bunch of country awards. They p- performed it on TV together. It was even nominated for a Grammy in 2012 for best country yeah. duo group performance. So it was a massive hit for her, and it really ha- re- even more so than the Reba stuff earlier in her career. This really elevated her further into the country scene for sure. Yeah. Um, the next song we have is a song called Alone. Um, also written by Josh Abraham, Oliver Goldstein, another Bonnie McKee, and Ryan Williams. I love this song so much. In fact, this, I I made a new little distinction that we put. So we've got songs that we wish were singles, songs that we would take back as singles. And in this case, since we're working with only Kelly's second deluxe edition uh, album this is songs that should have made the standard album i literally have that bullet should have been on the standard album it's true yes there's no reason why that like alone that alone's here and hello was so much higher up like come on um i love the song it's another one that's like a little i don't want to say basic it's a little basic but like it's good and we love it because it's a solid pop rock anthem but i don't really Mm -hmm. have a ton of other notes on it but Fun to sing along to. I I mean, again, a Bonnie McKee song. This is, I mean, I think this is the big, you know, big pop song that Bonnie McKee really contributes to this album. um, In addition to Hello. Uh, Fun fact, you might remember this song was performed as a Casey classic on the Kelly Clarkson show in season three on Valentine's Day 2022. I love that. You know, you've got a song called Alone by an artist who is going or who was going through a very public divorce. So there's a part of me that knows that people were looking at that going, ooh, you're saying that you're alone and it's Valentine's Day. What a burn. But at the end, if you really listen to the song, she's talking to an ex-lover about her new guy. And she's like, look. When I was with you, I felt like I was by myself. Yeah. With him, I I don't feel that way. Yeah. So it really isn't like a "Hey, I'm fine being alone" kind of a song. You have to listen to the lyrics. Uh, but I love this song so much. Um, I I'm definitely fine with it being part of the standard album. 
I'm on the fence about a single possibility. I don't think so. Just because the other songs that I put down as wishing that they were singles are all up-tempo records. And we've all seen that it's it's very common for artists to do an up-tempo song and then maybe a ballad and then maybe another up-tempo and then sort of a mid-tempo and then maybe an up-tempo and then a ballad. There, This would be just her releasing like anthem after anthem. And I think people would be like, all right, we get it. Yeah. My God. Um, so I would love for this, you know, to be more mass appeal and have more people know it and hear it. It's kind of nice having it just for us, you know, for the people who really are big fans and just know that there are some hidden bangers like in her catalog. And this is right at the top of the list. Totally. All right. Next song. Ugh, I hate saying this title. <laughs> God. Okay. The next song is called Don't Be a Girl About It. Ugh, terrible title. Um, written by Kelly and Brent Kutzel, who's actually the bassist and cellist for One Republic, ironically. Yeah. Very interesting. Who plays with Ryan Tedder. Yeah. Um, produced by Chris DiStefano again. Um, I loathe this title, but the song's mm-hmm. pretty cool. It's 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 catchy and I like how she sings. I like her I like her vocals a lot in this, but I hate the message of the song. Yeah, I wrote down cringy lyrics and title like Einstein, but the song is a bop. Yeah. This I hate this title. It's just so well, it's so cringe, but I it, it, it is it is not unheard of in music history to take a track and remove the lyrics and put all new lyrics into a song. It doesn't happen very often. It's happened in the past. I wouldn't mind seeing that happen with this song. And Einstein. Yeah, maybe even Einstein. The 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 track, the music, it's all fantastic. It's the lyrics that are just like, I don't know. Yep. Yeah. This is, I mean, this is definitely bonus track material. 100%. For sure. 100%. Yeah. All right. The last song on the bonus uh, edition is The Sun Will Rise, um, written by Kyle Jacobs and Danny- Danielle, Danielle uh, Levert, and produced by Howard Benson again. This features guest vocals from Cara Diaguardi, who has written a lot for Kelly in the past. But weirdly enough, she is not credited on here as a vocalist, as a featured artist. Um, yeah, it's it's weird know. because she's she's not credited on the back cover of the album, but she is cut. Co- she is credited on the liner notes inside the album. She's not credited on Spotify. I don't know. Or iTunes. I don't know if she just was like, Kelly, I'm doing you a favor. This is fun. I don't need to be credited on it. Maybe it was something as simple as that. I don't know because this was right after Kara had spent her two seasons as a judge on American Idol. So she was a bit more of a known entity. I don't know. I would think that if you had that credited on your record that people would be like, oh, Cara Diaguardi, I remember her from Idol. Ooh, she sings too? Weird. I'm going to pick up this album. I, I don't know. I, I don't know how much extra selling point that is, especially when you've got, you know, deluxe editions that, you know, not everybody is going to buy. Only the real big fans yeah. are going to buy those. So I don't know what the reasoning behind it was. I haven't looked for like a recent pressing of the album, so I don't know if Kara gets credited everywhere with it now. But again, like you said, she's not credited on Spotify. She's not credited on Apple Music. I don't know if they've reprinted the the albums. So it's that's a weird thing for me. That's always been weird because I remember first listening to the album and 
being surprised to hear another woman singing. Yeah. So I'm like, wait, what? And then I had to go and look at the liner notes. I thought, oh, this is Carrie Diaguardi. Weird. Why did we not see this coming? Uh, but yeah, it again, another song written by solely country writers. And this song probably sounds the most country of any of those kinds of songs on this album. And in fact, the version that Kelly does solo on Smokestack sounds even more country because like her, I mean, her twang nearly comes out in that particular version, uh, which I love. I love both versions. I love the version with Kara, but um, I think I actually have said in the past that I prefer solo Kelly yeah. version of this song versus the version with Kara, but I still like this version a lot. I mean, I love Kara's voice. Yeah, I prefer this version. I was like a really, really big Kara fan back in the day. I have her book right here, actually. Like I was, mm-hmm. I, this song's like a crazy vocal gymnastics, but I, and I, I think this, this could have been towards the bottom of the, the uh, standard album. I, yeah. I think it's a solid song, but. A lot of I have it listed as a song that I want on the standard. Yeah, I this it's this and alone. These are the two songs that I think deserve to be on the standard edition. There's a couple of other songs that I would have easily moved on. Yeah, a lot of people prefer the smokestack version of this, but I think they're both mm-hmm. good because they're just totally different. So, yeah. All right. The last song we have, guys, we're going to wrap this up is a song that was specifically on the Japanese version of the album and on iTunes. Yep. It is called Why Don't You Try, and it's written by Eric Hutchinson and produced by Steve Jordan, who uh, for a while was in the bands for SNL and Letterman. Yeah, and Steve Jordan is arguably one of the biggest producer names on this album. You can go to Greg Kirsten. That's a big name in music. You can go to Dark Child. That's another big name. And then Steve Jordan is actually a huge name in music. He's very well known as a musician himself, but also as a really, really excellent producer. He actually um, performed with John Mayer. John Mayer, for a hot minute, had uh, a group that he called the John Mayer Trio. And it was John, it was uh, Steve Jordan, and then Pino Palladino, who also performs on this song. And... They are incredible musicians. Steve Jordan is a crazy awesome drummer, a really, really great drummer. And um, I was really excited when I saw that he and Pino Palladino performed on this song with Kelly on the album. And then the fact that it's a Eric Hutchinson written song and it's got a great story. Pam, do you mind if, if I tell the story of how Kelly found this song? Go for it. Okay, so... Eric Hutchinson, as most people know, was an opening act for Kelly on the All I Ever Wanted tour. And one night, Eric is performing this song that he's recently written called Why Don't You Try? And I believe he was actually performing it on stage. Kelly is literally in the midst of getting ready for the show, can hear the performance, and it stops her in her tracks. And she goes out to side stage to watch the performance. Eric comes off stage and she says, you have to write a song like that for me. And he says, well, how about I just give you the song? I haven't put it on an album yet. And so he gave her, why don't you try? And it's a beautiful song. Here's my one concern. And I mentioned this early, early on in this episode. This is the song that doesn't fit the album. Yep. Um, I wish it would have been more widely available than the 
Japanese version and, and iTunes only. I mean, I would love for this to be on Spotify because I'd love that for Eric because it's a great song. I really love Kelly's vocal on this song. Um, not only did she do this for uh, for Stronger, but she also performed it on the iTunes session, which came out right around the time of Stronger. Yeah. Um, she does a killer performance on there as well. And she has only ever performed this song live one time. Just like Honestly, this song has only ever been performed live one time. And it was at a benefit for uh, the late boxer Muhammad Ali. That was the only time this song was ever performed by Kelly. And it's a shame because it's a really, really excellent song. However, it sounds like it belongs on Thankful. I mean, it is so soulful. It not I mean and, and she did a lot of soul on meaning of life. This song sounds like it should be on Thankful. Yeah. I was literally I wrote in my notes that this is the grown up version of like some kind of miracle. That's what I yeah. think of it as. And I, th- I I wrote as well. I knew this was the song you were talking about earlier. I think mm-hmm. this is better than like maybe like half the songs on the album, but it wouldn't have fit the the uh, the right tone and the vibe. Yeah. It just it's we've been so misplaced because it's so soulful. It's so beautiful. Her vocals are s- so well showcased here, but it would have mm-hmm. stuck out like a sore thumb. When you have a bunch of country writers writing songs for this album, and then you've got a you know a bunch of big pop producers. And then you have Kelly doing Aretha, essentially, for this song. It just would have stuck out like a sore thumb, even if you were to put it as the last song on the album. It just, you know, it just doesn't float with everything else. So uh, I love that, you know, it's still got a release. I'm I'm thrilled for Eric for that. Um, but it just doesn't fit with the rest of the album. Um, maybe it could have been, you know, part of just the bonus songs for the extended edition in the States and, you know, everywhere. Uh, but I would not have put this on the actual album itself, but it's a beautiful song. And if you um, are not as familiar with it, I'd say get familiar because uh, it's a, it's a wonderful performance and a, a really a great song. And I, and I love that, uh, that Eric got to write for Kelly. It's on YouTube. If anyone has not heard it before, yep. um, cause it's not that easily accessible except for YouTube. So Check yeah. it out there. And I do believe it's still out there for iTunes, too. So if you if you have Apple Music, I think you can still get to it okay, that way good. as well. All right, Jeremy, we did it. Ooh, that was a lot. That was like, <laughs> like five pages of notes for lot, each of us. a lot of homework. Yeah, it was literally it really like was. a four-page Word doc for me. But, guys, yeah. thank you for li- – if you've made it this far, thank you for listening. We appreciate it. Yes. And let us know your thoughts on the Stronger album as a whole – which songs you prefer, which songs you're like meh about. We would love to hear from you. As always, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Miss Into Podcast. And if you listen to us on Spotify, please leave us a rating there. If you listen to us on Apple, you can leave a rating and you can also leave a review. And uh, I think that's about it. I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. <laughs> I want to go to bed. But these are always the fun episodes. I love these. Me too. Um, we will be back yes. next week with a brand new episode. So hope y'all have a good week and uh, we'll talk soon. Bye. See you guys. You've been listening to Miss Indie Podcast, the Kelly Clarkson fan podcast. Miss Indie Podcast was written and produced by Jeremy and Pam. Remember to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you'll be the first to know when a new podcast is posted. Continue the conversation by following the podcast on Facebook. 
Instagram, and Twitter at Miss Indie Podcast. Send us your questions and comments to Miss Indie Podcast at gmail.com.